You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industry. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure with uh, sitting with Paul Schwarzenholz, who is the founder and CEO of Zenloop. Paul is a co-founder and, sorry, managing director of Zenloop, which is an integrated experience management platform. The SaaS solution was founded in 2016 by Paul and his co-founder Bjorn, uh, co-founders Bjorn and Lukas, based in Berlin, now with 70 employees. Uh, after graduating in business administration from HHL Leipzig Graduate School of Management, Paul started his professional career in management consulting at Bain and Company. He then founded the online perfumery Flaconi together with Bjorn, which was successfully sold to Proceven uh, Sat One. In addition to Zen Loop, Paul is an active business angel and advises more than 20 European startups. He writes and speaks regularly on customer experience, entrepreneurship, and startup topics. All right, Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Great, Chris. Thanks for inviting us. Awesome. Pleasure to meet you. Do you want to just start us off by telling us a bit about who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, I mean, majority of uh, what I've done in the last year, as you've already said. So, uh, I mean, it's a short story in the end. So, um, we have founded, and with we, I mean, uh, like my co-founder Bjorn, myself, and now with the new one, Lukas, as well. Like, we founded two companies. Um, the one uh, is <clears throat> the leading online shop for beauty products in Germany. Uh, it's now actually in the selling process, currently in the selling um, uh, selling process again. Uh, valuation is around 800 million uh, euros. And um, we founded that before 11 years. And then when we sold it, it's a spin off Zenloop as a, as, a, as a product, as a software that we as founders uh, and MDs of an e-commerce shop would have loved to have had at that, like in the past. So we're building now, we have built and are building uh, the products that we actually needed at, at our time as MDs to really understand how customers are doing, what we can do better, and to get back to every single customer who's... Uh, uh, are turning away. Okay. So describe uh, quickly to us, what problem is Zenloop solving? So the problem, a majority of companies don't know how their customers are doing. So they know it maybe for some customers, uh, but in majority of the cases, if customers were unhappy, they're just leaving and, you know, um, just not coming back. That's something uh, to identify these customers on the one hand to understand what you can do better and then get into a, let's say, one-on-one -on -one communication with a customer to apologize, for example, or to offer better solutions is, is one of the topics we're doing to, to drive, uh, to increase uh, retention. Um, overall, it's, it's a case that the majority of our customers are um, have a, a high number of transactions with their customers, with what we call like the consumers. Uh, that means e-commerce shops have e-commerce shops have uh, thousands of orders every day. I don't know if we talk about a B two B 
B2B software, uh, which is used by thousands of users every day. Like you have a lot of transactions with your users and in many of these transactions, something can go wrong. So uh, to understand how well you're doing at every single touch point in the customer journey, plus to understand what you can do with every single, let's say feedback you get from customers, that, that is what is core of our product. Mm -hmm. Can you also describe the connection with the the concept of a net promoter score, NPS? Yeah, sure. Let's say it's one of the methods, methodologies that our customers are using. And I think it's right now, the, let's say, on a, on a global level, the, the most well-known uh, methodology and, and widely, let's say, adapted one is uh, the net promoter system, which means that you start, um, that you ask at every relevant touch point in a customer journey, just two questions. The first question is how likely are to recommend us like this touch point, our brand or a company to a friend or colleague uh, on a scale from zero to 10, very unlikely to very likely. And please leave a comment. And that is what majority of people understand under NPS, but that's actually just the start because the system behind it means, okay, I get feedback from a lot of customers because I focus just on these uh, two questions. It's a very short survey because it's so short and because it's hopefully also done in a nice way. So let's say, um, for example, using good technology for that one, you get a lot of answers back. So our customers get on average 25, 30% response page, uh, response rate from their customers. Um, mm -hmm. You get a lot of information then feedback from your customer. And the next step is to understand what is the customer telling you? Let's say, what are all the customers telling you at the different touch points, but also what is a single customer telling you? And then use this information to really get like everything out of the information you get from the customer as much as you can. And it might be that a customer is telling you in one comment, in one feedback, a number of points. He might tell you, um, I will never buy this car again. Like just imagine you're driving your new Tesla and the Tesla in the car, and that's maybe let's say the future in two or three years, but the car is telling you, asking you after four weeks, how likely are you to recommend um, me like your new Tesla car, your new Model S to a friend or colleague. And then you're telling the car, well, I really love the car. The acceleration is um, enormous. Um, also the, um, the battery is great. But what I really don't like is this, let's say the, the surface of, of, the of the leather you're using here, it's, it feels a little bit cheap. And also the handle of the door is, is not, not, not really great. It's, uh, it makes like a weird noise. So we have four information in this comment, actually five information because overall the customer is a super happy one. So the car needs to take this, um, this comment from the customer and then in our case, it would put it into the database. Um, we would analyze the comments, break it down into the different text elements with a sentiment of the different text elements. And then this information needs to go to, to first different people in the organization and you need to respond to the customer. And what happens then is, you know, okay, this is a super happy customer. That was his first comment. So you can use that information and for example, invite him to a refer a friend program. So maybe the car then asked you back, um, immediately or after a few weeks and says, oh, we have noticed you're a happy customer. Um, can we invite you to, um, that you invite a couple of your friends um, to drive a Tesla and they will get like a Tesla for a weekend. And then probably like this customer will go out and just invite a few friends. 
um, but you also have the information of um, what is not going well. This information of, I don't know, the handle with a strange uh, noise plus um, the, the quality of the leather that is used. This information needs to go to the two product managers responsible for these areas. And if this information is coming in a few times from customers after they purchase the new Tesla, then the product manager can really use this data to, to work on the next version, to buy better leather, for example, or to, to get rid of this uh, noise from the handle. And let's say the end game is then if you then tell your customer when the noise from the handle is fixed, that, you, that the car is then getting back to the customer maybe three months later and, and, and tells the customer, hey, hey, John, thanks for your feedback regarding the handle. Let's say our product managers have improved it and the new Model S will, um, will be without the noise. And thank you in the name of 10,000 of new Tesla buyers uh, who will benefit from it. And of course, of course, for you. And that's the idea to say you get feedback from customers, you really understand it, and then you do as many things as possible to, to improve the product or service and also make the customer happy by, by just getting back to him and, and, and treat him as a, as a human. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's a great, uh, that's a great example. Cause I was going to ask you about the, your ideal customer profiles. I assume e-commerce, large e-commerce especially is a great fit, but outside of e-commerce, what other types of use cases or industries or uh, customer personas do you think are make a great match for Zenloop? Yeah, I would say most important for us is a, is a big number of consumers and users that mm -hmm. our customers should have. Because our, our platform is, let's say the main advantage of our platform is that um, we're focused on, on automation. And why automation? Because if you really want to get in touch with 10,000s of customers every day, you need a, a very high degree of automation. And that's not just in collecting the feedback, but also processing the feedback and then uh, connecting with your different systems to act based on the feedback. So we actually like um, companies who have a high number of transactions and ideally also customers um, which have longer relationships with their, uh, with, their, with their consumers or with their customers. So we have e-commerce. I mean, that's an obvious case and that's where we're coming from. But we also have, I don't know, retail companies. We have fintech. Uh, financial services, uh, energy provider, um, I don't know, B2B business. So I think the industry is not so relevant. Okay. Yeah. What What is the minimum amount of data that you would prefer to have for uh, for this to, to be meaningful? That's a good question. I would say probably around 50 to 100 feedbacks per day would be, would be, let's say it would be a good start. Mm -hmm. So okay. if you have, if you collect, like if you're like a classic example, it's like if, you, if you're if you a B2B business and I don't know, you're selling huge construction machines and they're just, I don't know, 200 machines you sell per year, then I would not use, let's say, I would use the methodology of NPS, but I would not probably um, deploy a system for that. That's a little bit of overkill. But if you sell 200 per day, then it makes sense to collect the data in a in a structured way and and work with it. Okay, got it. And what is obviously uh, the channels that you can deliver the the surveys through would would be things like email or you could deliver them through the apps themselves. In the Tesla example, maybe the maybe that question pops up right on the on the dashboard itself, <laughs> which would be pretty cool. 
Um, what if, uh, do you work with any customers that, that are delivering through other creative channels where you, maybe you don't have an email address or can you talk to me about the delivery channels? Yeah, let's say the email address is not relevant for us. So we can, of course, okay. um, I don't know, send it via email. We can, uh, you can take our HTML code and put it into your own emails. If you want to, you can put it into your website, uh, mobile app, uh, you can connect it. That's like a case that many customers do, especially from the retail segment, you connect uh, our system with their um, uh, loyalty system or with their cashier system, uh, because that's like all ways how you can collect data or you just push data via API to us. And uh, you have, I don't know, even collected data via um, a voice system uh, after uh, call center calls um, and then tr transcripted it and, and just push, push the transcripted comments to us. Okay. Got it. Um, well, let's. Uh, I want to pivot now to a little bit more marketing-related topics. Um, first of all, how how big are you now, Paul? How many how many customers do you currently have? Uh, we have in Germany. Um, let's say the leading. We're in Germany, the leading company, especially for for the entire digital space. Um, uh, so for uh, e-commerce, uh, retail companies, uh, said fintechs, uh, and, and now getting into, let's say, the, 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 the well-set-up um, energy companies and insurances and so on. Um, and in terms of customers, uh, like we have uh, roughly 200 customers uh, on the, in our portfolio, growing. Luckily, also, during Corona times, uh, are growing. I, I, the, the demand for great customer experience is uh, apparently a thing which is a crisis safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how how has it been to to, to scale from up to up to two hundred and where do you want to go? Uh, let's say in the next one or two years. So the ambition uh, ambition is, is high. We have done a financing round last year, um, uh, so well financed. Uh, we have a great team set up. The product works in a in a, in a great way, uh, and now we're just expanding. We're uh, we have uh, roughly 20, 30 percent of the revenues are coming from outside of the German market already, and that's let's say the next segment where we're getting into uh, the international market our product and the team is from the start from day one actually is an international team um, and the product is also uh, actually it's it's let's say english first um, with uh, german as a second language and then we have the option to offer uh, more than 100 languages in the surveying scope plus uh, the analytics mm -hmm. so approximately how many surveys are you processing, let's say, on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis for these 200 customers? Okay, in terms of surveys, it's a few thousand surveys uh, that uh, our customers have set up. Um, and in terms of number of answers, um, it's roughly a million uh, per month um, and uh, kind of growing every month, uh, um, like 10, 20%. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, so I'm, I'm looking through your website and, and I see you've clearly you've made a big investment in content marketing because I see white papers, case studies, there's an academy, um, there's various different what we would call pillar pages like uh, uh, customer experience retention. Can you talk to me a little bit about 
your overall content strategy and what's mm -hmm. what's worked for you there? Sure. I mean, it's it's indeed a good question. So uh, that's something we're let's say challenging us on an almost continuous basis to see how much do we need to do and want to do there. And we think there, let's say, depending on the business model you have, um, the you can just focus on on the let's say software product itself, or you need to build um, something like a content ecosystem around it. And we believe in our space, let's say the entire space of experience management is a rather new space. And there's a lot you can learn from, for example, you as a, as a, as a company, you can learn from others, how, how they have done it, what are the best practices. So there's a lot of actually, actually education needed. And that is what we're focusing on. Um, and we're putting a tremendous effort into making sure that our customers can not just use our technology, but also know how to use it. And the how is something we train, of course, in uh, with our success team and in, in, in a lot of, uh, let's say, one-on-one -on -one chats we have with our customers, but also where we just want to spread the message and maybe not everybody needs like a full-fledged system for it, uh, but still companies want to know how they can improve the customer experience. And that's why we have all this content out. And the pillars are, because you're asking, you ask for it, let's say we have uh, the content team who are, uh, as you said, are producing white papers, uh, case studies together with customers, um, uh, best practice, uh, let's say articles. Uh, we have also a video pillar of that one. And then we have different channels where this is, let's say, distributed um, with our communication team, the social channels, in uh, uh, PR work, um, in studies we're doing, plus uh, we have a strong event and partner team. Uh, in Germany, we've set up um, a partner event system, which we let's say put under <clears throat> its own brand. It's called the CX1 Alliance. Uh, mm -hmm. That is system where we have a lot of partners from our um, uh, ecosystem who are um, who, who share let's say the same customers and for the customers we have created a system of events um, conferences webinars different types of actually activities we, we do for our customers where they can 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 learn and educate themselves and and let's say in the physical world they were able to to connect uh, and network to with with peers from other companies, but with the same functional interest. And that works quite well. Mm -hmm. It looks like the whole effort of all, all, this, all these content marketing efforts seem to, to be paying off because according to Ahrefs, which might not be perfectly accurate, but I can see organic traffic, especially even in the last uh, 30, 30 or so days, it looks like it's risen by more than 50%, so above 3,000. Uh, 3,000 visits from SEO-driven organic visits per month. So it seems like all these efforts are, are in fact, working. Um, is this something that you measure on a regular basis or your marketing team yeah. measures the, the growth in organic? Yeah, I can tell you. Like my co-founder, Bjorn, um, he uh, was responsible for uh, like marketing and a big part of that SEO at our first company. And I mean, in e-commerce, in B2C businesses, this is even like much more important compared to, to B2B business, I would say. Uh, we had a big SEO team there and at Flaconi, we managed to get the number one on all relevant Chanel perfume keywords, for example, after three years. 
because we put a lot of effort into it. And I think that's a combination of, let's say, great content, but also, let's say, just uh, like on-site SEO, like you need to structure the, the, the website in a way that, that Google can easily read it and, and, let's say, digest the content. If this goes hand in hand um, and you have great content, then you can rank uh, quite well. And I mean, this is now the start uh, and we have a clear goal to get the number one here in Germany and in the international markets for, for uh, the relevant keywords. What would be one of the one of these trophy keywords that if if you could rank number one for what, what would that customer be? Customer loyalty, for example. Uh-huh. Uh, NPS, Net Promoter mm-hmm. System. I would say yeah. customer experience. Yeah, um, I'm looking customer to see if retention. I can screen share. Um, looks like I I can't screen share here with you and Squadcast. Uh, would like to, but I guess. I'll just tell you what I'm seeing. I, I, I'm looking at keyword research around NPS. So the term itself uh, in the U.S. has no. This is actually worldwide. No, sorry, U.S. Uh, 50, almost 60,000 searches per month. And when you broaden that to include this, uh, basically phrase match terms, terms that include NPS, that goes up to about 215,000 searches per month. So. Uh, Paul, just to jump back on the marketing side, I'm looking at now, I'm looking at the pricing page and I'm trying to visualize a typical uh, customer journey. It appears that your primary call to action is to request a demo. So even even here on the pricing page, I don't see any actual prices, but uh, you're encouraging prospects to request a demo. Um, was there any particular reason for that decision? And can you just walk me through how, how the, the bottom of your funnel and the conversion process works? Yeah, happy to do that. So the reason is um, our product starts at a at a minimum price tag normally. Like there are also exceptions to it, but it starts at at a, at a few thousand euros, which means um, we need to make sure. Let's say if our consultants talk to to customers that they like or to prospects that they really have an interest. Um, and that they not just want, for example, to ask the NPS question at one touch point, and that's it. Because that is something like for, for these type of use cases, you can also just go to SurveyMonkey and, and you know deploy a survey. Uh, but we want to make sure that we talk to, to customers or prospects who really have an interest and a, and a, a deep need for, for customer experience work. Mm-hmm. And that's why we start with a, with a first webinar, a consultancy to understand what are the needs of of the prospect um, and if these if we can let's say if our solution matches these needs then it makes sense to continue if not then potentially not now or uh, potentially at a later time mm-hmm. how many uh, how many salespeople do you have who are who are doing these demos a team of salespeople. i don't know how many do we have right now 10 15 maybe okay yeah what is their what is their uh, typical closing rate on demo calls? Oh, that depends on on which part of the funnel you look at. Actually, I I, I don't know it. Like uh, okay. that's. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the is is there a, typically a long journey that someone would go through in order to really be uh, in market or let's say a sales uh, someone who's really ready to 
to purchase? Do they need do they, do they need a certain amount of nurturing beforehand? Yeah, it depends. Like we have customers um, which we close within seven days where there was a very clear need. It was very clear that we're the best solution for for that for these needs. Um, and then uh, it went very smoothly through the process. And then we had customers, uh, I don't know, we closed, for example, end of last year, uh, the Sua Rose Group, uh, which is um, Doc Morris, so the biggest online pharmacy in Europe. Uh, there, I would say it took roughly four years. So when we, from, from the moment when we started, we always kept in touch because we knew they're, let's say, doing a great job on, 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 on the NPS uh, yeah, net, net promoter system. Um, and it took just a few years until our product was at the right uh, stage that we met all the requirements that they had. The so high level of automation, uh, the different languages that they have, the different technologies that they're using for collecting service and, and so on and so on. Um, and I think there that's going back to the, let's say, attribution. Um, we kept in touch via multiple touch, touch points, dinner events, conferences, calls, webinars, um, uh, content we provided. And I would say, I don't know how many touch points we had with them. Uh, I, I think like four years shouldn't be the, the, the standard. I mean, that is also related to the, the product has been built in that, at, at that time. I seem like uh, if we meet them today, it would probably take, they're quite fast. So rather like three months, maybe four months until, until they close. Got it. And I'm curious also to know if, Zenloop could be useful for marketing and sales teams who are prospecting and selling. Do you have any use cases where there are sales yeah, teams and marketing teams using it? Yeah, we have it. Uh, I think it's like the use case is there if you have a, let's say, rather high number of uh, transactions with customers. So, um, for example, uh, we have uh, there is one customer who has a sales team. It's something like a lead generation for um, um, let's say things around your home. I don't know if you need a new roof, for example, uh, then you can say I need a new roof and please give me offers from three suppliers or vendors um, around around my I don't know twenty kilometers around my home, and. And this is normally then, let's say, processed also via uh, like uh, a sales team who are really consulting. Um, and for and there, because it's a lot of uh, consumers uh, doing these type of requests, there they're using uh, Zenloop to actually understand what they can improve in the sales process and in the process which is afterwards. Plus, they're using the same for um, um, Getting the NPS and feedback from their from all the vendors, so it's it's two sided. Mm -hmm. It's vendors okay. plus consumers, uh, and that is similar to job portals where you have uh, a lot of companies that say um, putting out job ads, plus you have a lot of of course uh, users or applicants um, who apply for jobs. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. Great. Well. Um, is there any other marketing channels or any other marketing strategies that other than, I think you, you all seem to be doing a great job with SEO and content marketing. It's probably a little bit early on the paid side. I think that there are opportunities there when you decide um, to tap into those. 
are there any other marketing channels? And then you you mentioned the events and things, but is there is there something that I didn't ask about that has been working really well to help you scale? I think for us, what really worked well was uh, were conferences in the past, and now doing our own conference, or not just conference. Now we have actually set up set up a, let's say a, a series of uh, conferences around uh, certain industry-specific topics. So we have created the first CX conference for the energy sector with speakers just from the energy sector, which was great for the speakers because it was content just very, let's say, very focused on their needs. And for us, it was great because we had exactly the right people there at the conference as, as participants. So conferences uh, and, and there's like digital ones or physical ones for us works really great to to, to get new leads, but also to build really meaningful relationships, um, especially when we're back in the physical world to, to talk to people and to meet them. Mm -hmm. So in this past year, have these conferences been all just uh, online conferences? Uh, yes, like we uh, moved all conferences into the digital world, which also has some benefits. Yeah, because I mean, you could get attendees from all over the world and um, exactly. The content is easier. easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people don't need to travel. I mean, that's a big advantage of people uh, who kind of maybe are interested just in two of the, uh, I don't know, at the last conference, we had like the energy one, we had 15 different speakers. Maybe you were just interested in two of the content slots. So why travel for these two content slots to Berlin? It's much easier to just register online and 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 and, and watch it. Yeah. Well, when the world gets back to normal, are you going to get back into physical events like you were before? Uh, that's that, that's such a tough question. So we're right now investigating if it makes sense or not. Like if the so there is there is let's say I think there is one element which is really hard to measure, and that is the quality of the relationship you can build. We think that it's higher in the let's say in, if you have physical events. And it's also, let's say, a more it's just more fun. Um, mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's also more expensive and much more, let's say, it's tougher to organize. So mm -hmm. let's see. I'm quite sure yeah. we're getting we're getting back to physical events as well. Um, yeah, because also <laughs> not from a commercial aspect, but from a let's say fun aspect, it's just nicer just, to talk to people, yeah, like have lifestyle. a dinner. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have a have a beer with somebody that you just met and. Um... Still, exactly. still can't replicate that. Uh, I think that there are some online providers that are trying to replicate that, but it's it's tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so Zenloop, what will the future of product look like? What as you see it evolving in the next few years? Uh, what's what's coming? Yeah, I mean, let's say the big things we're working on right now is to increase uh, even more the level of automation and a big big driver for that is to increase the number of integrations we have with different platforms uh, to on the one hand gather data but also to, to push back data like i don't know to, to push data into zendesk for example or salesforce and there is every industry has its own specific platforms uh, where we need to integrate with so that's one of the big drivers uh, and then I think there are a couple of, let's say, survey channels, which are right now not that relevant, but I, I believe could get very relevant in the future. So uh, video feedback or voice feedback. Uh, so I mean, just imagine you're sending like a WhatsApp message to, to a company and then everything is then transcripted afterwards to get probably more feedback. 
it's easier for consumers. Um, but this is something which is almost nobody doing. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about SaaS growth marketing, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P, dot online. Have a great day.